I, I was I was hoping you would you'd come out with a bang to I start this episode. I can't get to sleep. No, 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 no. That's my song right now. That's well, your song too, right? Uh, that Overkill by Minute Work. We need that, Brad. We need a little of that. I can't get to sleep. Sure, no problem. <laughs> All right. I can't get to sleep. I think about the implications of diving into deep. Must be. That's a good song. I love that song. Yeah, it is it's a, a good great song. song. Um, that's your that's your big blast done. That's it. Okay. <laughs> we're um. We're, yeah. yeah, we're doing great. We're doing good. We're doing um, good. Here to uh, record the Side Talks yeah. podcast. Let's talk about movies. Yep. What's up, Ding Dongs? Uh, this is the Side Talks podcast. We're ready to go. Mm-hmm. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. fight. All right, Corey Craft. I'm Rachel Morgan. We fight about movies sometimes. Quite a bit, actually. Quite a bit. And you slacked me over the weekend that apparently you've seen a film that I is near and dear to my heart that I love very much that you clearly do not like. That's right. And that film is a film called Malice, starring my wife, Nikki Kay. My wife. That's Borat. That's a Borat quote. Um, are we <laughs> so ready to I'm start gonna, that timer? I'm going to go ahead and start it, Brad, because I'm going to play the role of Corey and be like, what's your problem with this movie? What's your problem, man? I, you know, I don't have huge problems with this movie. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's an OK movie. Oh, um, despite the fact that it has Anne Bancroft and George C. Scott, you know, yeah. in the latter parts of their yeah. careers doing like that elder statesman thing two excellent actors, despite the fact that it has, you know, smoldering Alec Baldwin in early 90s where he's when he still smoldered. And of course, Nikki Kay, we don't need to talk about her. And then the 90s greatest cuckold. Uh, Bill Pullman getting uh, cuckolded so left and right yeah, in this sure. thing. Uh, look, this is a very twisty sort of neo-noir sort of thing slash big melodrama uh, screenplay by Aaron Sorkin, who I you know have a love-hate relationship I, with. I know. What uh, is your and, fucking and problem? Scott Frank. Uh, my problem is this. There's a certain point where yeah. you, you get you know, through the, part of the way through this movie where, um, you know, the plot is whatever. It's a 90s thriller plot. It's sure. not necessarily going to hang together. And boy, this one really doesn't. I, I think there's a moment in this movie about two thirds of the way through and it's, uh, you know, characterized by the Anne Bancroft scene where this all of a sudden becomes a completely different movie than you had been watching. Yeah, up to it, that d- point. it does. I, I like that about it. I didn't. I That threw me off. Um, you know, Kidman... Early in her career in Hollywood, right? For sure. Uh, I would contend that she doesn't give her first great performance oh, until three years later, no, with, or child, two years later no. with To Die For. I don't think this is a great performance, but I don't think it's her fault necessarily so much as in the first part of the movie, she is playing one character, and then with absolutely no transition, in the second part of the movie, she's playing a completely different character. She's- but I don't, and I don't want to give the twist away because I actually think this is a really enjoyable film, uh-huh. and it does have it does have some twists and turns. One in particular, but she is playing something she's not exactly, and so I'm I'm not really getting where you're going with this. Well, okay. I also fundamentally, I don't really understand the status quo before all the stuff in this movie happens. I don't really remember if the movie establishes how long they were married to one were another. You drunk. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> uh, I feel like the fault of this might be with the but audience. I mean, does that movie give a clear answer? Like what? 
I, I can't, I'm trying to talk around the spoilers. I know here. it's really tough to do that. Um, it, I, I, I just don't there, understand. Her, is it like, light on the backstory and kind of drops you in? Yes, I think that that's that's a problem. That when, isn't a problem to me. That's a problem when the devious plan concocted yeah. for the climax of this movie has obviously been in place for some years, and right. I don't really know. You know, I there the timetable of this plan and the timetable of their theoretically stable oh, relationship you're getting caught is, up on the wrong no, 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 shit. No, no, this is not this is all this is all plausibility mm. stuff. But you sit here and just roll on through all kinds of like a uh, like bad space movies and bad action films and men in black all, all kinds of shit that's not plausible and doesn't make any sense and yet somehow you're getting tripped up on some very specific details I'm in malice. I'm getting tripped up on the specific details in malice because the movie sort of draws attention to those details. I disagree. Also, I, I, you know, the serial killer subplot, and it ends up being yeah. weirdly a subplot. <laughs> Which I think is really funny I, and kind of enjoyable. Talk about a bait and switch. Yeah, it's a bait and switch. There's, um, a, there's a couple of those in here. You're giving stuff away. But there are a couple, of, and that's part of what makes it fun. It was definitely of an error when, you know, you walk down a, that particular aisle in the video store, and there was a cover just like this sure. with a man face and a lady face, and it's all dark, and, you know, one's in profile, and it's like, what's going to happen in this thing? It's going to be sexy and smoldering and the, all of that happens in this but it has twists and turns that the other n- usual fare of the era does not have and I found it to be I do will acknowledge this when I watched it for the first time as a teenager uh-huh. I was like whoa this is really crazy and cool and I think in part because it stood out from the rest of the of the thrillers at the time if you will yeah. that you know similarly tried to do you know either didn't have a twist or at least to this level, right? Right, right. But I watched a couple years ago, maybe less, and it holds up. I I I think it holds up. Now, is this a hold up to my 17-year-old expectations? No, but I mean... Whether you'll admit it or not, neither does Jurassic Park for you. I strongly disagree there, as we've already established. Not to that level, but but it still holds up as as a really enjoyable, fun film that is that is better than it needed to be, and has some great actors and some great performances. And I disagree. I think Nicole Kidman is wonderful in this. And I remember seeing it the first time and going back and watching it again really shortly thereafter, Uh which I rarely did because I wanted to kind of see similar to what you're picking up on. I wanted to see her. See if I could find the flaws in the character if I that were sort of being rolled back, right, right, so to right, speak. Right. And I remember thinking, being taken by her performance at walking a line between this person and that person. I'll put it that way. I, okay, I know that we're over time, but I, I just want to finish with this. Malice is it's a well-made movie, you know, with good actors. My suspension of disbelief kind of collapsed after yeah. a couple okay. of those. Plot twists. We also watched, and I just bring this up as a point of comparison because it was a big thriller hit of the early 90s. We also watched The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Okay. Completely ridiculous movie. Yes. It's it's a lifetime. I mean, it's lifetime fodder. But but here's the the thing. I think Malice is a better movie than The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. You're right. That it's, it's a step above 90s schlocky thriller. But honestly, I had a better time watching The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. I think Malice, there's something about it that's not – it's a little too dour. It's not really 
self-aware or campy in the way that the hand oh, that rocks the I, cradle is. I think is. you've got this wrong. I think just the the casting of Pullman alone is somewhat self-aware. I, I think the dragging people along for the ride of, of a serial killer that never amounts to anything right. is pretty damn self-aware. Um, you know, the other detective in this and that weird banter between her and Pullman, like there's there's a lot of weird shit in it's, this movie it's very that you're weird just overlooking. We haven't even talked about the most famous moment in the movie, which is Alec Baldwin declaring that he is God during a deposition. That scene alone, when Alec Baldwin is like, how dare you, I am God. But, that alone, just, there you go. That film, great, gets to get put on a list for that very man, scene. But man, that has some Aaron Sorkinisms <laughs> all throughout it. Which so you the should whole like. Time, but the whole time I was like, motherfucker, you got this out of like a Mad Libs, like Aaron Sorkin Mad Libs book. I, You know, I don't know. Yeah, it, but easy to say in 2022. Yeah. I it mean, the, I am coming was, at it, it with that perspective. Press, it was the printing press that created those Mad Libs. <laughs> yeah, Sam, you're right. Malice is, is uh, the Gutenberg Bible. Um, all right. So Corey started off praising the excellent casting, but the poster is literally just half of Nicole Kidman's face and half of Alec Baldwin's face put together. Um, It's just the last person I would cast to co-star and lead a film with Nicole Kidman. It was a different time, Sam. It was a different time. (laughs) Apparently. It truly was. I mean, I personally love movies where it turns to turns into a completely different one halfway through um so Corey's point actually worked towards the movie um bonus points to rachel for the very impassioned were you drunk um for not being able to remember that uh plot point the um yeah this entire argument argument only made me want to go watch this um for the weird subplots and figure out the plot twist um and also, just the pure sport of debate. Uh, Rachel wins three million points. Well, Sam, finally, I, I'll, finally. Say this. I'll say this: I, I don't think you'll have a bad time if you watch it, Sam. Uh, it's it's a good watch. Just dub, even if don't double it up with the hand that rocks the cradle, because then you'll be overshadowed by fun. One of the one hundred <laughs> best movies of all time, as one co-host of this podcast uh, might it have sounds you like believe. You hate it. Uh, uh, it's totally you fine. I'm going to quote Charlie. You weren't there. <laughs> God. <laughs> show me that smile. Show me tell me that smile. Corey just winced. Uh, a Can little you, bit. Brad, will you do do us that favor that you do with the little growing pains? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Show me that smile. <laughs> Can't get enough. I'm about to pass something to you. You can already see it. I'm fascinated by this already, as you no doubt knew I would be. Yeah. This is a, a lovely hardcover book uh, called The Films of Burt Reynolds, uh, the man himself uh, posing on uh, the the cover in a red shirt in all his Burt Reynolds glory. That little that little nut duster. This was a gift from from our phone a friend guest, Lisa Easterling, that she wow. brought me. It was a late birthday gift, I do believe, or maybe a late Christmas gift. We do that. We tend to give each other gifts very late in the game. And so I have I love this book. And there are some great photos. There's the picture, the famous picture of Sally Field in the Auburn t-shirt. Love that. Yeah. Lots of good Bert with mustache, without stash. And it's it's lovely. And I, I flip through it, but there's something in particular about this book. And of course, my memory of, of having seen, I didn't meet Burt Reynolds, but I did get to hear him speak. And we uh-huh. talked about this before. Um, but there's something about this book that inspired me to want to have a Burt Reynolds film a year in the festival lineup. Oh, yeah. 
which I don't know if we're going to do because there's so many, too many films and not enough slots, but we're going to do something with Burt soon. We've talked about a bandit fest. There's been many things. And this has only brought my love of Burt to a higher level. And so I, if you would, Corey, I've earmarked a few pages, four to be exact. Sure. And they're chapter headings. And if you would just read us the chapter heading, and before you do, I just want to say, and so that'll be on the opposite page if you can see. Before, it is a quote. They start with, these chapters start with a quote from Bert. And before you begin to read these, I just want to say that generally speaking, when you have a coffee table book, especially of this particular era, which would have been um, probably the 1970s, it mm-hmm. looks like, maybe into the early 80s, when you have this, you would generally start, you know, if you had a chapter with a quote from a movie star, you would have something really lovely to say about a film or a performance or a role or something, a pull quote from a critic that was really positive. But if you could, would you read us a few of these? So this uh, chapter is uh, called Impasse. I, I guess that's based on the title of a film he yes. made in 1969, looks like. And the quote that accompanies this in nice big uh, print, the title is my career at the time. It was a rough period. <laughs> Bert would infamously, of course, have many rough periods over the course of his oh, long yeah. career. Evening the next um, chapter, uh, Sam Whiskey, the quote is, way ahead of its time, I was playing light comedy and nobody cared. That's true. He didn't get enough credit in his day as a comedic actor, I don't think. Um, I've never even heard of Sam Whiskey, though. All right. The next chapter, Hustle. Catherine Deneuve and I were a case of one and one makes three. So that, that brought out some interest. Um, <laughs> so Hustle is from 1975. And indeed, I would never have thought that Catherine Deneuve and Burt Reynolds made a, a film together directed by Robert Aldrich, though. Yeah, that's pretty The good. heaviest anything you can say about it is it brought out some interest. Yeah. Um, yeah that's damning with faint praise, isn't it? Uh, and then the next and the final, Nickelodeon. This is the... Peter Bogdanovich movie um, that kind of flopped. Yeah. Um, And the quote is, I didn't have any fun on Nickelodeon. I was ill. It showed. (laughs) So I, and again, not every chapter starts with negativity like this, but a lot of them do, which kind of makes it better. It's not like it was the goal to go through and have him, you know, say crappy things about every single film he's in. A lot of them have positive stuff, but I did appreciate that, Oh, I'd say a significant percentage start out with that level of comment on on titles that he's in. I think Bert was always, you know, fairly aware <laughs> of the the success or failure of the movies he was in, and he was one of those movie stars who I, I feel like more often than than not was pretty honest about it. Clearly, yeah. So anyway, this was inspiration, and I thought I would share it with you. And uh, like you, as much as I'm a Burt Reynolds fan, I went through and thought, man, I got some work to do here. Yeah, um, There's lots of titles that I am not familiar with. Burt was in a lot of stuff. He was in a lot of stuff. And I don't know. I mean, of his big 70s run, what what is it that still kind of stands out other than Smokey and the Bandit? Like, And Deliverance, I guess, is kind of a canonically – important with a capital I, would say I del- movie. Yeah, I would say Deliverance and, um, and Smokey and the Bandit and maybe like, uh, what is the stuntman film? Maybe. Hooper? Hooper. Um, and, and, you maybe. Know, you you have movies like so. Semi-Tough and, um, oh, The Longest Yard, right? That were, that were kind of hits in the day, but haven't really had any staying yeah. power. Um, but still a, a, an interesting career. 
Um, and I, you know, I always like seeing Bert in a movie, right? Like, especially as he got a little older and, you know, Boogie Nights era Bert, where he started sort of getting that fastball yeah. back Not a little bit. Not his favorite role either, interestingly. He was. Interestingly, he got that one wrong. He did, but. <laughs> but God bless him. He was excellent in it. Anyway, that's um, that's what I had to show you today. Well, this is a terrific, beautiful book, and Isn't I just it? want to point out on Mike uh, a foreword by Orson Welles. Again, My kind part. of an incongruous pairing, um, but the foreword by Orson Welles is also two paragraphs long. Yeah, I mean, when you, I was, I was like sat down to read it, uh-huh. you know, with like some coffee and a muffin or something, thinking I'm going to dig into this Orson Welles. What's he got to say about Bert? And I mean, I was two sips into the mug. And yeah. Done. He could have dictated that over tele- a telephone and call. And he probably did yeah. with a glass in his hand and like, ah, who wanted me to do this? What favor have I got to to call in today? He's yelling at Henry Jaglum, you know, on the you know, while he's on the line. So I'll also add really quickly, because I think I've told my Burt Reynolds story before where I got to see him at the Rome Film Festival. I believe I've told that. I believe so, but I'm happy to tell it again. Yeah. Um but it's too long for this particular podcast, okay. so we'll do that at another time. But I will, I will tell you a different Burt Reynolds story, which is that I have been to the Burt Reynolds, formerly the Burt Reynolds Museum um, in West Palm Beach, Florida. Right, right, right. And it was basically shit that Burt probably couldn't fit in his house. Burt was still with us at the time. Uh-huh. And it was shit he couldn't fit into his house. And some trophy cases, some just on shelves, and in the center of the room. And it was, a, it was, you know, not a space much to speak of. Uh-huh. You know, it was sort of a just – used to be an office building kind of thing. In the center, there were just big leather couches where you could go and sit and watch Burt Reynolds movies. That sounds pretty great. And they would just have Burt Reynolds films on loop all day long, and you could just, you know, grab a bag of fast food or something, go over to the Burt Reynolds Museum, which I believe the admission was free, sit on the couch and, and watch Burt Reynolds films. So needless to say, anytime I visited West Palm Beach, I always wanted to make a stop at the Burt Reynolds Museum, take a pizza in and watch a little Burt. <laughs> and I have to say the last time I was down, it was a sad day because I couldn't – it seemed like it was permanently closed, as oh. you see on Google. And, yeah, I called and, and a lady did answer, but the – alas, the museum is no more. Oh, that's so, too bad. RIP to Burt and RIP to the Burt Reynolds Museum. And um, I'm just rubbing your face in it that you didn't get to go. Oh, well. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of a Side Talks podcast. We're your own personal cinematic Halloween 3 and Troll 2. Oh, okay. You get it? Yeah. You get it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks to Beltwell Studios. If you <laughs> if you didn't get it, that's not that big a deal, really. Thanks to Beltwell Studios. Thanks to Revelator Coffee, our sponsor. Um, check us out online at SidewalkFest.com or on social media at Sidewalk Film, where... You know, we're just releasing all sorts of information about the 24th Annual Sidewalk Film Festival, which is coming up real soon. You're going to want to get those passes right now to guarantee access to some of the hot titles at this festival. Because, folks, there are some hot. hot titles at this festival. We're selling premium single tickets to many of these titles left and right. And you're going to want to make sure you can see all the movies you want to see. So get a VIP pass. That's the best value, I think. Gets you into everything. Or if you just want to come for a day, get a day pass, a Saturday pass, a Sunday pass, whatever floats your boat. Because we've got great movies playing all weekend. And then a couple 
Spotlight Nights the preceding week that you'll want to check out too. But all that information, SidewalkFest.com. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.